Jesus used to teach us how to pray like him. Uh, last week, uh, Jesus taught us uh, to remove prayer viruses and uh, to get beyond prayer anxiety and just speak with God in a way that is short and simple and sincere. And I'd like us to, uh, to continue practicing that. So I want to give you a few moments of silence uh, just to give you the chance to, in a short, simple, sincere few words to God, say good morning to God and that you want to uh, have ears to hear his voice as he speaks through his word in scripture. Let's pray. Jesus, please teach us how to pray. Amen. Would you please turn your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew? Uh, We're going to look at this uh, prayer that Jesus taught, and uh, it's in verse 9 of uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Here's the model prayer that Jesus taught. Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today we want to study the first line in Jesus' prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this first line is the most important line in Jesus' prayer. And the first two words of this first line are the most important words of all. Because in these two words, Jesus teaches me both who God is and who I am to God. The first two words of Jesus' prayer are the words, Our Father. And by teaching his followers to refer to Almighty God as Father, Jesus was teaching something that had never been taught by anyone, anytime, anywhere before. And uh, not only was Jesus new in this uh, teaching, it was shocking. It was jarring. It probably even seemed scandalous when Jesus spoke those words. I'm sure that when Jesus taught uh, them uh, God, to talk, called God Father, his disciples all kind of shifted awkwardly and, uh, and got a little nervous because they had been taught all their lives by the religious leaders that it was improper to address God in any direct or personal way. You know how in the Old Testament, uh, God actually reveals his name to Moses on Mount Sinai. And even though the readers of the Old Testament knew God's name, Yahweh, the religious leaders forbid their people from even speaking that name out loud. They were not even allowed to write it. And if they had to write it, uh, they were allowed only to abbreviate it with four letters. The traditional teaching when Jesus walked around this planet was that God was far too lofty to even listen or bother with the concerns of ordinary people. Then, in this context, Jesus stands up and he says, 
Now, on, on a personal knowledge basis, let me tell you the truth about God. He wants you to call him Dad. That's right. Jesus said, God wants you to call him Dad. And in this message today, I'm going to be referring to God as Dad. And I'm sure this will annoy some of you. And so I'd like to explain why I am doing this. The Gospels were written in Greek because Greek was the global language of that day. But when Jesus taught, he did not speak in Greek. He spoke in the mother tongue of his disciples, which was Aramaic. And the gospel writers imply that nothing in Jesus' teaching was lost in translation from Aramaic to Greek, except for one concept. And uh, that one concept was summarized in one Aramaic word that Jesus spoke that was so loaded with significance that it had to be preserved. That one word, that one concept, was Jesus' use of the Aramaic term, Abba. For instance, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, in the middle of this gospel written in Greek, Mark goes out of his way to preserve Jesus' use of this Aramaic word, Abba, in his prayer to God. Apparently, Mark felt that it was very important for his readers of any language to understand that whenever Jesus spoke to God as Father, he used the Aramaic word Abba. Abba, which was the word that was used by little kids of Jesus' day to refer and to call out to their daddies, to their fathers, to their dads. Abba means dad. It means daddy. And Bible scholars believe that this word Abba, dad, is behind every father reference Jesus makes to God in the Gospels, including the first word of Jesus' model prayer, where Jesus says, Our dad in heaven, hallowed be your name. And some of you are uncomfortable with referring to God as dad. You fear that uh, it's being too familiar and it's a, it's, it seems irreverent and disrespectful. And I'm sure Jesus got the same reaction every time he referred to God as Abba. Jesus also says, hallowed be your name, because Jesus wants us to know that when we pray, we must have an attitude of deep respect to God. But before Jesus said hallowed, Jesus' first word on prayer is Abba. Not only does Jesus put Abba Father first in his model prayer, but Jesus implicitly refers to God as Abba Dad over 60 times in the Gospels. Why does Jesus emphasize the Abba identity of God over and over? Jesus does this because this is the most important aspect of praying like Jesus. It's knowing who God is and who I am to God. 
The core of praying like Jesus is knowing that I am God's child and that God is my dad. Now, when it comes to your personal prayer life, you don't need to refer to God as dad. I do. All the time in my private prayer life, I refer to God as my dad. But if you're uncomfortable with this, it's no problem. What is vitally important is that you fully absorb this truth that God is your Abba. And that praying like Jesus is speaking to God like a child talks to a good and loving dad. But what does it mean? What does it mean to pray to God like this? Well, there are at least five implications of praying to God as my Abba. First, uh, if I really believe that God is my Abba, then I believe that God is my dad and that dad approves of me. If you follow Jesus, I have some good news summarized in these words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption as God's children. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The good news is that if I am God's child through faith in Jesus... God's approval of me is total. I need fear no rejection of any kind from God because He totally accepts me as His adopted child and His love for me is unconditional. And did you notice Paul's reference to Jesus' famous word? Paul says that God's children naturally pray out, Abba, Dad. In the middle of this letter, written in Greek, Paul inserts this Aramaic word, Abba, because it was a famous word in the early church. Famous because the disciples of Jesus loved teaching and writing about how Jesus used this word over and over again to describe how God wants us to pray to Him, like a child crying out to Dad, Abba. If you are God's child, then God is your dad. And he is not neutral about you. He's crazy about you. When he thinks of you, he doesn't shake his head in disappointment. No, he smiles with complete approval when it comes to you. He goes around heaven bragging about how you are becoming a chip off the old block. As a dad to my kids, I love showering them with my approval. To this day, it's kind of corny, but on a regular basis, I tuck my daughter in and I say, you know what, Kaylee? If they lined up all the girls in the world and I could only pick one to be my daughter, I would pick you. I'm so thankful that you're my daughter. And I tuck my son in and I say, Barker, If they lined up all the boys in the world, and I could just pick one to be my son, I would choose you. I'm so proud to be your dad. And the Apostle Paul says that God fills you with his spirit who whispers the same thing to you. If they lined up all the people in the world, I would choose you. 
Because you are my adopted child. And I'm proud to be your Abba, your dad. Jesus teaches me how to pray. And he teaches me to begin with who God is and who I am to God. As his adopted child who is the object of his unconditional love and complete approval. But you know what? It's so sad that many of us who are God's children, we don't begin our prayers to God this way. Instead, we feel compelled to start every prayer groveling before God, saying, Oh, God, I'm sorry it's taken me so long. It's been so long since I prayed to you. I'm sorry that I keep making mistakes all the time. I know I'm such a big disappointment to you. And God's saying, No, 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 no. You don't understand. Don't start our conversation this way. You are my child, and I completely approve of you. Now, is confession an important part of prayer? Absolutely. But notice that Jesus puts confession later in his model prayer. There is a time and a place for confessing my sins to God. But Jesus teaches that it is not first. Jesus wants me to begin with grateful acknowledgments of who God is and who I am to God. I'm accepted. I'm approved. I am an adopted child of my Abba, Dad. Okay, here's the next implication of Jesus' teaching uh, about addressing God as Abba. Dad loves being with me. When I become God's child through faith in Jesus, in many ways, God brings me back to the kind of relationship that God enjoyed with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Before the fall, Genesis records that uh, Adam and God just loved being together, naming the animals together, talking together, and taking walks together. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, implies that every evening, God and Adam would take a walk together through the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. Uh, Where cool of the day is a Hebrew idiom for the time of day when friends get together and just share news and stories and laugh and talk and enjoy each other. Well, um, Adam destroyed those evening get-togethers with God when he betrayed his friendship uh, with God. But when I become a child of God through Jesus, prayer becomes the garden where God loves just being with me. Except in Jesus, I get to be even closer to God than Adam could ever dream of being. That's what Jesus means when he prays, our Father in heaven. Jesus is saying that God is a dad who is as close to me as he can possibly be. And you say, how do you get that? Uh, Father in heaven sounds like he's far away. I agree. It sounds like God's far away in heaven somewhere. But this is a case where our English translation obscures the point. The Greek word for heaven in this point in Jesus' prayer is plural. Jesus says, our Father in the heavens. Uh, 
You see, in the Jewish understanding, uh, the heavens were a combination of three separate spheres. First heaven was the earthly sky, the atmosphere, the air that we breathe. The second heaven is the night sky, what we would call outer space. And the third heaven was the invisible spiritual realm of God and his angels. Uh, When all three spheres were referenced at the same time, they were known as the heavens or the heavenlies. And so Jesus begins his prayer by teaching that God is my Abba in the heavens, including the first heaven, which means that God is a dad who is as close to me as the air, as the air I breathe. In fact, God puts his spirit inside me, not just during times of prayer, but he's close and available to me every moment of the day, which means that I have a closeness to God that is infinitely closer than the relationship Adam had with God before the fall. God is a dad who loves being with his kids every moment of every day. But prayer is kind of special. Prayer is like that special time uh, between you and your Abba. Uh, This summer was a special time uh, for me and my son. Uh, About five years ago, I told Parker that uh, when he turned 13, we would go on a trip together wherever he wanted to go domestically. And this summer, he turned uh, 13, and Parker chose to go to the state of Oregon. Uh, Actually, Parker declared he wanted to go to Oregon five years ago. And so we've been planning this trip for years. It was fantastic. For 10 days, we drove all over the state of Oregon. And as we drove, we talked. As we had meals, we talked. And as we did a bunch of guy things, we talked. Uh, We rode uh, ATV vehicles on the sand dunes on the coast of Oregon. We went down alpine slides. We rode zip lines in the mountains. We did mountain biking. biking. We did skeet shooting. We did fly fishing. I had such a great time with my son. Some of our favorite times. We're uh, just having meals together. And I remember we were out to breakfast uh, one morning, and the subject of life insurance came up. Uh, I guess we were uh, talking about what would have happened if I had really fallen off the mountain zip line like I thought I was going to do. Uh, Anyway, uh, Parker started talking to me about life insurance, about what it is and how it works, and I just saw an opportunity to, to share something with him about my love and my care as a dad for him. So I, I told him that uh, a life insurance policy made it possible for me to care for his needs even if I was taken out of the picture. Uh, I explained that because I had a life insurance policy. If I were to die, the insurance company would pay my family a lump sum of money. And Parker said... What kind of money are we talking about? (laughs) And, uh, well, I said, according to my policy, if I were to die, the insurance company would pay you and mom and Kaylee over a half a million dollars. 
And I went on to explain how this is an indication of how much I cared and loved him and his sister and his mom. And I wanted to care for them even if I wasn't around. And Parker said, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I understand that stuff. But was that a half a million dollars a piece? That was actually the low point of our trip. Uh, he spent the rest of the day talking about all the things he would buy if I died. And he came into half a million dollars. He even suggested that, he was pressuring me to go back on the zip line again. This breakfast was my least favorite meal on our trip. But all the other meals were just great together because we just enjoyed being together. And it makes me think of what Jesus said about believers in Revelation chapter 3. The risen Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and share a meal with him and he with me. This is a good description of how Jesus sees a prayer relationship with you. Jesus sees it as a one-on-one feast of togetherness where you sit down and you share stories and news and laugh and just enjoy being together. This is all implied in Jesus' teaching on prayer. Jesus calls you to talk to your Abba who just loves being with you. The next implication is that Dad wants an informal relationship with me. Now, I I think this is probably the most obvious implication uh, out of Jesus' instruction that I start my prayer uh, addressing God as Abba, Dad. Obviously, Jesus is teaching me to dispense with all formalities uh, when I talk to God. Uh, God does not want me coming with a clipboard or a punch list like I was an employee. God doesn't want me coming with ritual and ceremony like I was a diplomat of some sort. God says, I want you coming to me like like a little child comes to a dad. Children have a right to be informal and personal with their dad. A right that no one else has. With that adult. President Obama has two daughters, and I guarantee that they have rights of access to the President of the United States that no one else has. I guarantee that these two young ladies have the right to be informal with the President like no one else could or should. If you were informal like they were, you would be arrested, you'd be buried under secret service, considering his office. Well, John begins his gospel with these words. To all who have received Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gives the rights to become children of God. When Jesus teaches me to address God as my Abba, he's telling me that I have, a, I have rights that only a child of God could ever have. I have the right of unlimited access to God. I have the right of unrestricted familiarity with God. I have the right of joyful informality with the God of the universe. I could never earn these rights. 
These rights are just given to me as one of the many gifts that God pours as favor upon his children. All religions pray. But the prayer relationship that Jesus taught is unique in the extreme. I hope you understand that. All the other world religions teach that God is distant and impersonal, unreachable and unknowable. But Jesus teaches the opposite. Jesus teaches that for his children, God is a dad who wants his kids to climb into his lap and tell him everything because he wants the tenderness of an informal relationship. Next, dad is devoted to me. If you've been a parent of an infant, you know what it is to hold your precious child and know that this kid can do nothing for you, but it doesn't matter. You love this child just because this child is yours and you're devoted to this child. Well, Jesus expands on this idea uh, in what he says in Matthew chapter 10, uh, that your heavenly Abba numbers the hairs on your head. Uh, Jesus says, not one sparrow falls to the ground outside your Abba's care. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, because you are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus paints a picture here. It's a picture of a dad arm-cradling a sleeping infant. A dad who is so enamored with this child that he strokes the child's head and then counts the wispy little hairs. Jesus says, God is focused upon you like that. Jesus says, God knows the number of hairs on your head. And in saying this, Jesus is not drawing attention to how good God is with math. He's pointing out that God cares about every little detail of your life. God is a dad who's devoted to you. I know some of you are saying, I have a really hard time understanding that God is like that because my dad was not devoted to me. He beat me. He abused me. He divorced my mom. He walked out on me. He never returns my calls. He's horrible to me. And I know there are people listening to me right now and you've been hurt by a dad or you're still suffering from a toxic father relationship. I don't have any pat answers for you. I just say this. Don't judge God by your earthly father. Judge your earthly father by your heavenly father. You know, even if you have a lousy father, your disappointment in that proves something. It proves that you know deep down what a dad should be like. Well, Jesus says, you know that dad that you long for? You have a dad like that. You know, there are people who want to throw out any reference to God as a a father because of the imperfect way human dads uh, modeled that. But this doesn't make sense. I mean, the Bible also says that Jesus is a friend. 
But we don't throw out the word friend just because everyone has had lousy friends. Even those of us who have never had a true friend, deep down, we know what good friendship is and we long for a friend like that. Jesus is the friend you long for and you can trust him when he tells you that you have a father you long for. It's your heavenly dad and he's devoted to you. Now, one final implication. Dad is beyond Awesome. The first line of Jesus' prayer begins with this invitation to call dad, uh, call God dad. But this first line then ends with the reminder that this same God is beyond awesome. Speaking of God, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a translation of a word that refers to God's holy otherness that God is perfect we are flawed God is creator we are creatures God is all-powerful all-present all-knowing all-worthy of all praise and all glory it's important for me to remember the hallowed awesomeness of God because it's the only way that I will truly appreciate the awesomeness of having this God call me his child I hallow God when I remember that he never had a beginning, that he spoke everything into being, that he created this universe which displays a picture of his awesome immensity. How? Well, I mean, we have the benefit of science. And, you know, astronomers tell us how big our sun is. You know that our sun would contain a million Earths. But our sun is actually a rather small star in the universe. The star Antares is an average-sized star. You know how many of our suns Antares would hold? 500 million of our suns. But Antares is just one of a billion, billion, billion stars in the universe. Astronomers estimate that there are triple the number of stars in the universe that there are grains of sand on earth. And our awesome God holds all these stars in the palm of his hand. This immense God came to us in the person of Jesus. And if you are his follower, you are an adopted child of this awesome God who invites you to call him Dad. Your dad approves of you. Loves being with you. Wants an informal relationship with you. And he's devoted to you. This awesome God is eager to talk with you. So, talk. Talk with your awesome dad.